it's dumb guy live yeah on wednesday which is weird the first on wednesday dumb guy live um but we're here we're gonna do we're gonna do a tight hour it's gonna be a good hour it's gonna be a tight get out so they can do the watch along afterwards i'm getting signal that my connection is bad is concerning to me uh but we're gonna push through regardless uh jamie how's it going today yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. It's a weird one, like you said, the Wednesday Wednesday podcast. Um, and obviously, we gotta we gotta get through it a little bit quicker. Luckily, we don't have too many things to get through. One big show, and a couple of little news bits, but other than that, should be should be all good. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very happy that we're here this week. I was uh, you know, I, I didn't want to miss this this week after the uh, the events in New Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murph, how's it going? Uh, I woke up today to the uh, the very concerning news that uh, QT Marshall is back in AEW. But you see, I, I, I ended up having a pretty good day thanks to uh, some nice weather and the fact that we got Dumb Guy live tonight. Uh, and to all the guys that uh, don't have Valentines, we'll be your Valentines for the night. Yeah, everybody who is watching right now, nobody who, turns in, who tunes in later, only if you're watching right now live, you're my Valentine. Um, yeah. So. So thank you, thank you. I guess. Um, sorry, did I did cook you on the DGL account? You posted an insane Airbuds like screenshot of what you had been listening to recently, and I was like, I was I got so much secondhand embarrassment. I was like, what are you doing, bro? So um, so yeah, it's been a minute, but um, yeah, it's good to see everybody. Happy Valentine's Day six. Uh, we had a, we had a lovely on John uh. <laughs> Uh, closer uh lyric by lyric uh ad- adapted for uh oh, adapted for guy live here which was pretty great uh and yes icon of course will be your valentine uh okay guys we're gonna get into the motherfucking show uh so first big news item we don't have to get super detailed into it because we already kind of talked about it when it was first announced at least the departure was first announced but sources have indicated that Okada, maybe the greatest Japanese wrestler of all time, in his first full-time, uh, you know, contract with the with the company outside of New Japan since he was a rookie, is headed to All Elite Wrestling in the United States. It's a huge deal. It's a big shift in in the pro wrestling landscape. Um, I guess we kind of talked about. We've already kind of talked coming over to the states, and I think Jamie and I, our feelings kind of echo each other. Mm-hmm. on both sides uh we're we'd rather he stayed in new japan but you know you're gonna, gonna do what you're gonna do i guess my question is jamie and murph as people who keep up with the aw product more than i do uh what what should they do with him like what are they gonna do with him he's such a wrestler it's it's been it's practically unprecedented for somebody who is this reliant on like a cha- a classic japanese strong style you know what i mean presentation um to come to the states so what does that look like to you guys yeah i think it's an interesting one i think kind of well i guess i guess first this kind of the move we all kind of expected um he would be making i think the the Mm -hmm. thing was always a bit of outside chance but in terms of him going to AEW, i think it'll a, a big factor in what this will look like will be what his what his schedule is is you know able to be like is he going to move to the US um or is he going to you know live in Japan kind of travel across which is obviously one of the benefits that would have been there for the um AEW that isn't there for the WWE so the fact that he's going to AEW maybe they're going to let him be more flexible um I have no idea what Kazuchika Okada looks like as a, a TV wrestler <laughs> in America I don't know how they use him I don't know how often we're going to see him um but I don't know. I, I get obviously, you know, we want to see him presented well and, you know, right at the top of the car. But obviously, it's very, you know, it's a very stacked roster and um, pretty much the most stacked roster probably in, in American wrestling history. So um, it'll, be, it'll be a tough one for them to get him in. I, I think we probably won't see him every week, but I think they'll they'll bring him in almost like how they use how they use a, a Brian Danielson. I think that they'll have him in. Um, they'll get the big matches out of him. And I guess they'll. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll set up all the big matches that they want to get to. But yeah, I don't really know um, how this is going to work. But I'm, I'm interested to see it. But like you said, I'm, I'm not a. This isn't really the outcome I was hoping for. I was hoping he'd stay, but that, that ship sailed. 
I, I, I tend to disagree with the fact that people would frame this as a problem for Tony Khan to have. I think this is a great problem for Tony Khan to have. You have one of the greatest wrestlers of all time on your payroll with this promotion as his main thing to do. And you're worried. And, and I just, I don't think it's going to be a problem because when you, you're, you have a guy that's good, you're going to take what you can get. And let's say there's four weeks in a month and you say you get, get him three weeks out of that month. I'm having Okada on TV building stories because the fact of the matter is, this isn't like a guy, for example, there are some New Japan wrestlers that you'd bring over, like a Hiroki Goto, who don't speak English, and then you have to like try and build a story with them, and that's just not going to work. But Okada, number one, has some English skill, and he has enough English skill to you know tell a story. And number two, Kazuchika Okada is one of the, the most aura-filled purple. So honestly, him standing in a ring facing off of someone will be good enough. I mean, Okada is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and AEW is currently on one of their best booking runs since, I believe, 2021. So I am very ecstatic for this, and I think this is going to be a complete success, and I have full, full confidence in the booking team of Khan and Washington to get the best they can out of uh, Kazuchika Okada, and I think that he's going to hit the ground running, whether it's at Revolution, whether it's at Big Business. I think it's at Revolution, because Big Business is all about the Monet. But, uh, you know, this, this whole thing is a great problem to have, and I think Kazuchika, and ok- Kazuchika Okada in AEW is going to be a fucking success, and I'm thrilled for it. The fact of the matter is, would he probably be best back in New Japan? Yes. But here's the thing, he's faced everyone in New Japan, and honestly, this is so exciting for him to have all these fresh new matchups. Like, oh my god, you, you're, you're gonna get to see Okada versus Roderick Strong on a collision, and that's a fresh matchup, and that's like one of the most inconsequential matchups. This is so awesome for the wrestling industry, and I am so excited for this. I'm glad that you're excited. I'm not at all. Um, I think it's pretty bad, <laughs> but uh, but you know, it's it's just the nature of the beast. Like, I don't give a shit about a promotion that employs Ric Flair in 2024, uh, and I will continue not to. Like, everybody has their own, you know, preferences or whatever. It's you know, I don't I don't really hold it against people who do. But um, you know, I love Japanese wrestling. Fell in love with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, what like eight years ago at this point, which is pretty crazy. Um, and uh, Okada was maybe the biggest reason why. So seeing him gone is going to be sad. Obviously, Osprey, um, similar turn as you alluded to uh, there as well. Uh, and we'll get to Osprey's farewell here uh, a little later. But um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of decisions to be made in the New Japan side of things. So with that, let's move there to and this isn't just Okada. Let's include Osprey in this as well. What's next for New Japan? Naito's the champion. It's his last real run on top. Uh, we have all these young guys. They've closed. Shota Umino is the closest they've came to really pulling the trigger on somebody. Uh, Uemura and Suji have a hair match coming up. Um, yeah, we got Fantastica Mania going on. But like with everything that's going on in this company, with legitimately maybe their guys leaving in the span of you know just a few weeks from each other, um, what's next for uh, for New Japan Pro Wrestling? I think oh, it's, it's a tough one. I think we've touched on it a couple of times. Now. There's so many guys who are kind of, you, know, you, you just mentioned a couple of there, like the, you know, the, the Shotas and the Sujis, the Yuyas, and then, uh, you know, I, I see a few people there mentioning Zack Sabre Jr. in the chat, and obviously we're going to get to him a little bit later, but he feels like someone more than, more than I think anyone in the, in the company that they really need to focus in on this year. I think, and I think they will. We've lost Parker. <laughs> it's a disaster, but yeah, I think Zack Sabre Jr., um, obviously, particularly with the absence of Osprey, um, they need a top guy. And David Finley is clearly not going to be that for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, so Zack Sabre Jr. is ready for the main event. Obviously, his performance mm-hmm. um, at New Beginning in Osaka proved that again. So I think him, obviously, Shota Umino declaring himself the new ace. Um, they need to really get behind him. I think he's probably going to... Um, Take that never open way title off Evil. I assume Evil's a bit of a transitional champion there. And yeah, just again, just more more on Suji, more on you. Yeah, I'd be interested to see where where they go with this hair versus hair thing and how they, you know, it, it plays to both both of their character arcs. But yeah, I, th- I think Shota. I would say Shota, Suji, and Zach are the three that I would really, um, you know, if you can only focus on a couple, really focusing on them this year, um, because you you had opportunities to do more of them last year. 
and uh, you know, look look where we are now. If you'd have done that last year, if you'd have, if you acted, um, because the crowd were clearly were clearly invested in. You saw in the um, the match with between Suji and Sonada that, that the crowd wanted a Suji win, um, and obviously you know let Sonada ended up making it to Wrestle Kingdom. But if you act on these things sooner, you build these stars. Then when things like this come around, you're, you're in better position. So. Um, now that's too late. They need to. They need to get to get get to correct them. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do three big things to revitalize New Japan Pro Wrestling. Number one, Shota Umino is the guy, and I would push him as such. Shota Umino should have a very big push, and in my opinion, I think Shota Umino should be the champion by Dominion. Uh, the second thing I would do is I think a very important thing is they need to they need to poach at least one star from another Japanese promotion, and I think that guy should be Katsuhiko Nakajima, who is a currently a freelancer working in all Japan. I think New Japan should make a sustained push to get him because they need some more star power, and I think that's the type of guy you should get to do such that. Uh, the third thing I would do is I think Hiromu Takahashi and El Desperado should be moved up to the heavyweight division. I think those two could be guys who you could have main event, big matches, and be crucial parts of the G1. So those three big things, Umino is championed by Dominion. I would have the uh, Pocha star from a Jap- another Japanese promotion, and I would get um- I would get Desperado and Takahashi in the heavyweight division, and I think those three things will help New Japan uh, revitalize itself in a, in a front at where Okada is no longer in the company and a guy like Tanahashi is no longer a focus. I like all that. I completely echo pretty much everything you said. I think that they should just go all in with with the young guys like i think the Mm -hmm. the story of this year's g1 the last year was the guys first in that a block and this year is the year that they really start to to dominate everything i think it should be like wow who out of shota narita uh, suji uemura gabe kid which of these young guys is going to take that extra step take the mantle become uh you know become the top guy i think if it were me hopefully murph comes back if it were me i would probably have saber win the new japan cup again i would have him win the title from naito mm-hmm. um he can also challenge at dominion i think you can do saber and but i would have saber win the title then i would have saber hold it through wrestle kingdom with shota winning the g1 and then Saber versus Shota Wrestle Kingdom main event. I think that's completely fair. Um, I think it's two of the. I think it's one of the best wrestlers in the world in Saber, who just came off one of the best you know matches in modern New Japan history. Um, and you have the the young guy that they're behind the most, and I think that combination is really good as well. You can throw Kaito in that mix too if he if he ends up signing. Um, but even even Oiwa is probably ready to be in the G one, mm-hmm. right? Um, so maybe he's in that mix too. Maybe he comes in and, uh, just, you know, maybe, maybe he's the one guy who's like the big story of this year's D1 coming in, uh, out kind of out of nowhere and, um, and, and winning stuff, but they have lots of really good veterans. Um, but it's, it's been a lot of the same in the main event scene for the last five years. And they Mm -hmm. finally can't rely on Osprey or Okada anymore. Uh, and so it's, 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 it's time to see some change it's a little disappointed that they had to force the changes um but i guess that's how these things happen right completely agree that hiromu and desperado should be heavyweights by the way um Mm -hmm. it's like incomprehensible why they don't like they would make business sense i just feel like they would make so much more money as as heavyweights uh than they do juniors but um bad anything to add there jamie yeah, I, I think the point on um, Hiromu and Desperado, I, I think that's a good point. I think, obviously, we've talked a few times about the, the junior division in New Japan and how we think that they probably need a few new new bodies in there. I, I think coming out of the, the Osaka show, which we're going to get to, I think they are um, better positioned to, to build up some some bigger stars this year in that division. And I think if you were to move a Desperado or a Hiromu, as I think they've got players like Francesco Akira, who will get... A, get to later i think um who could be a top star in that junior division obviously they seemingly have a lot of stock in callum newman who they're going to be building up seemingly is the the heir to osprey um over the next the next couple of years um and obviously kosei fujita as well another, another young guy that's um you know shown a lot of promise uh, um, very very quickly so i i think that i think they can definitely afford um to move those two up and, and again if you have to 
bring in some more talent from outside that I'm you know I'm sure we should be capable of capable of doing that. But yeah, they, they they absolutely have the players it's just about acting on it. Um and it's taken them too long and now we're in the position like you said where it's it's been forced upon them. So in a way it is disappointing, but it's also exciting because we know um they, they've got to do something now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, with that, let's talk about the sea change a bit as I just changed. There we go. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit with our review of New Japan's new beginning in Osaka show from this weekend. Um, I don't think there was a ton to talk about on the undercard, unless I'm missing something. Uh, I thought uh, uh, on United Empire, like Okan was pretty good. It was like really short, but I thought it was pretty good for what it was. Um, by the way, this is like the least compelling world title feud in like a while in new japan like just the rematch from wrestle kingdom there's zero people who think sonata has a chance um the it's completely been overshadowed by the fact that taichi versus shingo is always the best interaction in these undercard tags and Mm -hmm. suji versus uemura is a way more heated and personal feud than versus sonata which is weird because sonata left lij and they should be able to make it personal but um with that, uh, let's move on to the important stuff on this show. The first thing being Kazushiko Okada's last singles match in New Japan, at least for the time being. Uh, and that was him defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi, his uh, most famous rival, in about 16 minutes. Uh, match was really good. Obviously did not reach the heights of their best stuff. You know, they've gone 40 minutes in the past, so you wouldn't really expect it to reach that level. But um, very good match. Very heartfelt closing stretch. A little bit surprising that Okada got the win instead of taking the pin to Tanahashi, but um, we'll see. If I mean, if you look at the the, uh, the cards for the next new beginning, I mean, it looks like Okada's just like, you know, not going to be putting over or doing anything. Because did you see he's in the second match for his final New Japan match? He's in the second match in a 10-man tag. That is insane. Yeah. There must be some bad yeah, throws made... there. Well, they're... I mean, it's just sometimes you you feature somebody, sometimes you don't. It, it it was it. I think wrestlers should have the wherewithal and the and the uh, the um, the power to go wherever they want at any time for the most part. Um, so I don't blame him for leaving or anything like that. But at the same time, it was it's very clear he did not have much notice uh, on this, um, as evidenced by them having to change cards, which they never do. So, um, yep. Yeah, so we'll. We'll, we'll be able to see that. We'll preview those shows next week because they are, you know, more than a week away. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that next week. But, uh, yeah, Jamie, thoughts on uh, Tanahashi versus Okada? Yeah, it was good. I, I, I mean, as you said, it wasn't, you know, anywhere close to the heights that these two have hit before, but it's a, it's a very, very high bar. Um, but I like, the way that, I like the way they played to it. Um, firstly, it was, you know, obviously a very vibes match. And um, the crowd, obviously, you know, <laughs> they, they were up for this one for both of them. Um, but in, at this stage uh, in the game with, with Tanahashi, he's obviously got, you know, a few physical limitations in, there in terms of what he can do. He obviously can't work the same matches that he used to with Kazuchi Okada. Even though um, even though Okada was obviously, you know, they were cheering for him at the, the beginning of this match. And it was, just, you know, one of his kind of send off matches. Um because of those physical limitations of Tanahashi, Okada still worked as like a bit of a dick, and he was still kind of you know, <laughs> you know, leaning into the same kind of character tropes he's been doing over the past year plus. And I think that worked very well for this match, as much as obviously it was still um, kind of a send off for him. I think still playing up to being to being a dick against a guy like Tanahashi, I think allowed this match to be the best version of what it could be at this stage. And um, so yeah, so not nothing spectacular, but um, it was nice to see these two. Back in the ring again, it, you know, wouldn't have felt right for Okada to just leave without these two get one more, one more go at it in Japan. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't too surprised with the result. I, I didn't really think Okada would be <laughs> would be kind of putting him over on the way. And, and Tanahashi doesn't need it as well, right? If you were going to have Okada put anyone over, I'd prefer it to have been a show to but a good match. Mm-hmm. I, I like the way they put it together. And um, yeah, probably the last time we'll see this for a long, long time. It, it would be weird to see this at a, a forbidden door <laughs> or something like that, which I don't yeah. know. Seeing Osprey and, and Okada on the other team for Bindor is going to be a weird thing to see how they, how, you know, how they play with that. But yeah, I thought this was good. I think I think the next time we'll see this match is Tanahashi's retirement match. At this point, I mean, it was a nice, you know, Tanahashi coming out to his old theme really made me happy. I saw the Ash put the actual clip without the uh, 
the copyright, but that's actually one of my favorite themes of all time. So that really made me happy. And uh, this match was good. It wasn't like as great as Okada and Tanahashi matches have been in the past, but it was a great match because that's just you know they they're incapable of having a bad match together. Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, before we get into uh, the next match here, we got a ten dollar super star one, one of our most reliable super chat. DGL, the place where excellence resides. I enjoyed Murph's fantasy booking of New Japan. Shout out, shout out. Ron Moore likes uh, likes your plans. He likes your vision for the company. All right. Uh, so let to the world the world tag. Sorry, the IWGP World. What am I stupid? The IWGP <laughs> tag title match. I just. God, Mer- it's all Murph's fault somehow. Uh, but this was uh, this was garbage. This sucked. Uh, this mm-hmm. was Chase Owens and Kenta <laughs> beating uh, the Grills of Destiny, Hikuleo and El Fantasmo for the the IWGP titles, not the strong ones. Chase Owens has is currently the holder of a title with IWGP in front of it. Um, this was uh, this sucked. It was not a good rain. Uh, not uh, this rain is going to be terrible. Um, I am, I will not care about this title and the other than Chase Owens is holding it. It is remarkable that they managed to put the titles on a worse team than a team with Hikuleo on it. Um, but they, uh, but they did, uh, Jamie, I assume you feel the same way. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's not really to break down in the match. The match is obviously, it was exactly what you would expected, but, you know, not good <laughs> at all, really. Um, the results, I, sh- I shouldn't have been surprised because New Japan's tag division has never really, um, it's not been the greatest for a little while, but even still, and you talked about, you know, when they announced these, you know, the, the, the series of two matches here for, for both titles. Um, if they were going to win one, the strong titles, you know, the, you know, this team shouldn't have won either of those belts, right? But if they were going to mm-hmm. win one, you'd imagine, you know, Kenta, he, he lives in, in America, right? And obviously Chase Owens. So if they were going to do that, they were going to give them the tag belts, then... That would have made sense, but to see, yeah, to see Chase Owens holding an IWG, IWGP title in 2024 is insane. Um, yeah, the, the, the tag division in New Japan is just not really, it's kind of non existent to be honest. Um, you know, there, there are teams they could put together, um, and there are teams they could, they could bring over, but I mean, with, with these two with the belts, it kind of shows what they kind of what their priorities are <laughs> in terms of how much they want to focus on the tag division. It's pretty much non non-existent. So this wasn't good, um, and yeah, I, I don't really have much more to say on it. It's just, yeah, I don't want to see these two. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to see Chase Owens really. I'll be frank with you. I didn't watch this match because I, I don't really like wasting my time. So I uh, I knew the result before I watched it, so I just didn't watch it, and it probably sucked. I mean, if you watched it, it probably sucked. And I'm sorry for your time. Uh, uh, I I was. Other than the Texas wrestling title, whatever the fuck he was carrying around that one time, I don't want to see Chase Owens with any gold because he fucking sucks. I mean, he can carry around his little Texas wrestling championship if he really wants to, but, you know, he sucks. And I, I every day I'm mad that Matt Jackson or whatever Jackson it was uh, hurt his foot mm-hmm. and Chase Owens had to go to best of Super Juniors and now we're stuck with him in fucking 2024. Hard to find two matches with... Uh much bigger distance and quality between them uh, uh, going into this next one where we had Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Brian Danielson in over a half hour um, in a match that many people are saying was just as good as their Wrestle Dream match, which many people had as last year's match of the year. This year's version of Omega versus Osprey. Um, I'm not going to get into, I'll get into my stuff after you guys go. Um, but holy shit, this match was great. I have to confess something to people. I didn't ever watch wrestle dream. Uh, I never watched it. Um, because I don't, it was like, I just don't care about AW anymore because of mm-hmm. again, their hiring practice. Um, so like there's a lot of AW stuff I haven't seen. I've not seen the Texas death match. I have not seen the uh the the swerve and hangman one um i haven't seen a lot from from aw i'm very glad that they did this match in new japan because holy shit it was good but i'll get i'm gonna because i'm i'm gonna yap for a little bit so jamie take it away first so uh so i'm not cutting you off so much oh yeah this 
this was incredible. This was um, a worthy sequel, a worthy sequel to the first one. Before before we went live, I, I saw Raspier's tweeted out Joe Holbert's match review of this, so I kind of took a took a peek at it. And, and um, one one of the things that he said, I, I think, because Joe's one of the best guys that are kind of articulating his thoughts on on these matches, and he said this match kind of worked in reverse um, to how the, the the match in Seattle worked. Obviously, the, the first one was kind of more technical to begin with, and then got much more intense. This one kind of flipped that around, and they they were, you know, you know, there was a real edge to it at the beginning. And I think Danielson being away from the Seattle crowd and being a bit more of a villain, whereas obviously Zack Sabre Junior. is is a bit more of, um, as I'd say, a home a hometown favorite. <laughs> he's, he's clearly not a hometown favorite, but he, he's the New Japan guy, right? Um, so that they're, they're going to back him there, and I think. That allowed this to have a bit of a bit of a different edge to it, um, but I mean, we we talked about before this match. These two are the best technical wrestlers in the world, and it was very 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 evident. Yeah, um, pulling out stuff that you don't really see for for many of the wrestlers. That it, it felt like um, there, there weren't a lot of kind of uh, like pinfall attempts or anything, but it did feel like the match could end at any point just because of how they how they worked this one, and it felt like you know. Um, at any point, one of them could have could have caught that submission, or or, or stuck a pinfall in, which is obviously obviously how we got to to got to the finish. But yeah, kind of uh, as Joe put in his review, it was it was very very intense to begin with, and then um, it played upon how the first one ended in um in obviously Danielson, you know, getting the pinfall where where Zach Sabre Jr. is obviously looking for a submission. Um, by the time we got to the end of this one, it you know it got to the point where it was Zach Sabre Jr. He was looking for the pinfall, and, and um, so I think it sets up, uh, you know, very well at a potential, um, you know, trilogy ender here, where we obviously get a definitive, um, maybe a submission victory between these two. But I think as a sequel to the first one, I think this was absolutely perfect in the way they they structured it, the way they put it together and flipped it on its head, and um, yeah, just just two absolute um, wrestling geniuses. <laughs> it's the best way I can put it. Best way I can put it. This match was awesome. It was uh. I, I, I did prefer the match in October a little better or a little more. I thought it was a more complete match, but this one was really good too. And the crowd, man, the crowd was into this match mm-hmm. like I like I haven't really seen. They were it was amazing and um the right winner considering it's in Japan and I think they can run it yeah. back and uh probably it all in, in my opinion, you know, and get a, a def- decisive winner there. But uh wow, great match and uh. Brian in Japan is something I never thought I'd see again in uh, a while ago, and now that we have it, and we're very extremely lucky. They just, they just announced Brian in Arena Mexico, and this is the last year of Brian Wrestling Weekly. Uh, it's been a pretty fucking good one. Mm-hmm. It's so I mean, it's how lucky we are. I feel like I say this, you know, once a month because there is so much good wrestling out there. But how lucky are we that that Brian Danielson we get to see him? in japan um wrestling like not to go all like like play on that but i mean it's just different like it it just it, it's just different um and so i'm very I'm, I'm i'm just very thankful that he that he has that opportunity um i thought this match was absolutely incredible um be the best match i've seen this year in fact i think it probably is the best match i've seen this year um just just like so fucking good like i love that there's really similar obviously danielson and saber but they're different in the sense of like like danielson's just a little bit more aggressive he's obviously the veteran between the two um saber has done a great job like filling out his physique to where he like he keeps the like sort of windy like work that he likes to do uh and the flexibility and everything but he comes across as way more of a threat when he does his strikes and obviously as we saw the slap exchanges that they had were were stellar Mm -hmm. uh to the point that they were causing like discourse on twitter about them um it was uh it was such a great match i love one of the best things and i'm so glad that you mentioned joe's review um because i actually went and just looked at it right now and he mentioned something that absolutely crossed my mind when i which was that there's all this talk about who the best like technical wrestler in the world is right Mm -hmm. and i tend to think those conversations are a little like uh are a little i don't know goofy sometimes because where's like the bright line that you talk about technical wrestling and also like who cares sometimes you know what i mean but uh because people will say that like saber's the best technical danielson's a better overall wrestler but 
Danielson's also a technical wrestler, so like, what does that mean? Um, but anyway, when Brian Danielson signed with WWE the first time, he was the best wrestler in the world. All right, um, and by extension, probably the best technical wrestler in the world. And there weren't really all that many, aside from from some ROH guys, there weren't that many wrestlers on the indies who really focused on technical stuff until Evolve came around. Um, and it was really Saber who took up that mantle of being like the technical wrestling guy on the indies. And then of course, then in new Japan, um, Danielson for, for a lot of matches didn't really display the style that he displays right now when he's in AEW and, and new Japan. Um, so, uh, so it felt to me, like Joe says, like Danielson never lost that title of best in the world. Uh, and Saber might have it right now. So it feels like Saber, you know, you know, in the first match, Danielson wins it back, but then in this match, Saber's like, no, it, it's actually me. And so, you, yeah, you get the home and home. They do a rubber match, maybe at Forbidden Door or something like that, and uh, and we see who who the the better of the two is. But um, the, it was so violent, so intentional, so targeted. Like Danielson in particular is is probably the best wrestler ever at making every single thing he does intentional. Um, very little superfluous action like movement anything like that um he lays down for exactly how long he should lay down when he's selling he gets up and fights exactly when he should it's just it's just great um i don't even know how you end this feud by the way like maybe uh, i mean maybe you could maybe saber wins the new japan cup and then it's saber defending against danielson and dominion you know like Mm -hmm. how great would that be right um but whatever they end up doing, it's it's just uh, it's it's gonna be stellar. I mean, and they're they like the the great ones. You know, there's so many rests, there's so many matches. I think where people are like, whenever they end up coming back, I know that I know people have talked about like Swerve and Hangman like this, right? Whenever they run it back, it's like, how are they gonna top it? The great ones always do. The great ones always figure out a way to to top it or at least come come very very close. So um, I thought this match was just incredible. Um, and I'm and I'm so glad that that Danielson gets his shot in uh, mm-hmm. in Japan after so long. So yeah, makes makes me very happy. Um, shout and shout out to Saber to Saber too. He could have just been content to be typecast as the the technical guy, right? Um, mm-hmm. In New Japan, kind of like a Suzuki light a little bit, but he is absolutely blo- like he is Minoru Suzuki right now in New Japan. Um, as he, as Suzuki himself has become freelance and not really been a regular member of the roster for a couple of years, Saber has effortlessly picked up that mantle. He is Suzuki uh, in how he's portrayed and how he wrestles. And uh, I think that's so fitting because, uh, because they were great together in Suzuki. So anything else to add on this one? Um, no, I, I think, I think it's just more of what we've talked about when we talked about Okada leaving. I think this is more evidence that they need to pull the trigger on Saber this year. Um, he's like you said, he's he's rounded out his game so perfectly that um, uh, you know, with, with the departure they've got, they need to do it now. And then, then the only other thing I'll add is I don't know if any, any of you caught that as Saber called out Okada after the match, and I thought maybe this would play into like Okada's like last two matches, and then it didn't. So I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what Zach was waffling about, but um, I don't know. Maybe we'll get that at some point down the line. But uh, yeah, I, I I need Saber um holding that IWGP title this year at some point. All right, let's move on to this crazy newsworthy main event that came out of this show. It is the end of Japan, the five-hour game style came the United Empire and the Bullet Club War Dogs. This match went an hour and four minutes. Um, and uh, You know, there's a train going on, Jamie. Maybe so I might have you give me the little recap, the run. Um, but oh my god, the violence in this match. Now it's some people have not have criticized the length, but uh just give people the rundown and your thoughts here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this one obviously five v five war games kind of style, although it wasn't really um it didn't look like how how you know uh, the American style war games where we had the one ring and a pretty funny looking cage. Um but we started out with uh with Osprey and David Finley. Now, so we gradually get um, the rest of the guys coming in. There was a, there was some outside shenanigans from the likes of Callum Newman. Um, Gedo, of course, got involved. But um, 
yeah, this this one has been very very divisive <laughs> for its length, um, for its uh, you know the the drama and the, and the different times they could have gone to a finish and they leveled up seemingly or, or at least attempted to level up every time uh, a finish seemingly presented itself. But um, yeah, I mean there was a lot going on in this match. <laughs> I'm trying to think back to to recap it. We obviously had you know. Um, we had all the weapons you would expect. We had barbed wire tables. We had thumbtacks. We had, um, I, I think it was uh, Clark Connors was was hung on the rope or something. It may have been Drilla Maloney. I'm not too sure. Um, mm-hmm. We had the Aswang. <laughs> we had we had we had all sorts. It was it was carnage. Um, and on Bullet Club War Dogs eventually uh, got the pin after Will Osprey. You know it was his United Empire teammates are kind of been beaten up around the ring and, and Osprey had nothing left and and the War Dogs the War Dogs were able to put him away. Um you know he goes for the the hidden blade and kind of collapses <laughs> collapses on himself. He had nothing left but a very very long match. Um obviously we'll we'll we'll, we'll get into it more in a minute on <laughs> in terms of how, how much we enjoyed the length of it and whether we thought you know it could have been a bit shorter or, or whether they got it right given the circumstances but um yeah, a, a divisive one, but I, I, I think I enjoyed it <laughs> for the most part. Before I talk about how much I love this match, I'm just going to bring up something real quick. The cage looked so stupid. I thought mm. the cage sucked. It looked, yeah, no, I agree. It was really, it looked, looked very so minor. Dumb. Like, get one of the cages, like a Dragon Gate cage that Stardom uses now. Like, you have a cage in your ecosystem where you set have the young boys set it up. It's like around the ring. It's a cage. <clears throat> this cage looked dumb. It looked like a uh, like a fence you'd have in your backyard. Like that that's the one thing I did not like. But outside of that, man, I love this match. Uh, I thought the rules worked well. I thought uh, the war dogs were tremendous. But you gonna Hanare was great. Um, I believe it was Drill Maloney. He came out um, dragging Callum New into the ring. I really enjoyed that. I don't know why. Uh, but there were just a bunch of things like the Gabe Kid and Hanari spot, which a lot of people have talked about. Unbelievable. Um, no, this was just a very, very great match. And it, uh, it wasn't what I expected, but it was um, a lot bloodier and a lot more um, vindictive than I expected. But I loved it. It was a great match. Yeah, this was... Um, I don't mean this pejoratively because I actually enjoyed this era, but this reminded me of an NXT War Games match, um, but like R-rated. Um, it was uh, all the big spots, all the creativity that you would come to expect, uh, but the creativity wasn't so much in like high spots per se as it was in like, how can we kill people? Like, how can we cr- like create a sense of danger, right? I don't think a WWE War Games match has felt un like truly unsafe in a long, long time, right? Like they're they're very sterile, even though I think they almost always end up being great. This one was like, okay, we do all the we 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 ratchet up all the intensity and make it very dangerous for everybody what we got. Um I thought there were three this match that really stood out to me. Um you already talked about Hanare who uh, I hope he is okay uh, because he was fucked up after this match. Um, the uh, I thought Francesco Acura was incredible. He's one who I've been like just a huge believer in uh, because I saw him in his All Japan days and I knew I just knew he was going to be great no matter where he went. Um, and uh, yet again, as usual, Gabe Kidd uh, just continues every single time he every single time he's he's in he's in the match like he wasn't um he wasn't like a central part per se a lot of the time but everything he did like he he felt like anytime he was in the mix the momentum of the bat of the match just felt way more like forward moving i guess um and just very unsettling like i didn't know what he used. i thought just about everybody in the match was stellar though like Drilla Maloney was kind of out of his mind, uh, for which showed a new side of him. I do think I like the TJP gimmick. I think it's good. Some people think it's stupid. I like it. Um, I just like TJP. Yes, why? But even like even like Cobb with like they were able to make Cobb feel like a big deal when he came out. Like, oh God, we got to get you know take care of this. The worst guy in the match was David fucking Finley. Like he was like he he was the worst guy in the match. 
Yeah, he just has no he has no dog in him. Like he has no sauce, he has no nothing. Um he has a new finish, I guess. Like that's cool. He was more of but... a threat when he was literally in Finjuice. Like this is te- like the guy is terrible. Yeah, yeah. I, when, I he was in, when he was in Finjuice, I was like, "Oh, he can pin Sonata in a tag match." You know what I mean? But uh, here I'm like, "Oh, he has to have his war dog." Still looks like dressed match. up Jay White. Like, he looks like someone who's trying to be Jay like, White. Jay White for Halloween. Well, it's just preposterous. Like the, like the war dogs, like specifically the heavyweight ones, Coglin, who who might be done with wrestling i tend to like not put a ton of stock in that but we'll see um and uh the uh and K- gabe kid like they're just i it, it like i don't want to i don't want to be one of those guys who put some zeke and stuff like that but like why would these guys ever take any advice from david finley like coglin is so coglin and kid are so jacked and like shredded and like clearly just like stronger and better at wrestling than David Finley is. Like, I don't know why they would ever like in kayfabe even listen to him. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. Finley fucking sucks, but um hopefully one of these times we get the uh we get the we get the the, the turn here that makes Gabe Kid the bullet club leader, which which seems like the right call to make. Um yeah. Uh, so anyway, I thought this match was great. It was uh, the first, like, it took like a, a while to like really let, get going. Like they should have mm-hmm. cut down the time, I feel like, between wrestlers. I know they had all the spots they wanted to get to, but like there was there was wait moments where it was clear that they wanted to keep the energy up, but there was they had like a lot of time to fill, right? Um, but Osprey was great, obviously, as you would expect, and uh, he got a nice emotional send-off at the end after being pinned by David Finley. Um, but I guess that's 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 what you do. There, uh, that was my biggest problem with the match. Number one, no war game style match should ever end in a pin. I think that's the dumbest thing ever. Because, like, it should be submission or surrender, like WCW, like Dusty intended it. Number two, that, but in a more positive sense, that Osprey farewell, like, I got so happy seeing that because... When they went, oh, spray, oh, spray, like that was awesome. Just like seeing he was a kid who came in for a match with Kushida at Ryugoku in 2016 as a nobody. He came in as a literal nobody, and now he is a god to these people. And it honestly made me sad a little bit, too, because number one, it's a chapter done, but also, two, I really, really, really wish Kenny Omega got that same goodbye, and he didn't because you know, Harold Beige. But, uh, no, Kenny Omega should have gotten that same goodbye, but I'm happy that the rights are being wronged and that off-breaking that get that type of goodbye, too. But I didn't. The, my first thought during that was, damn, Kenny should have gotten this. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Anything else to add? Yeah, yeah, Jamie, go for it. Yeah, um, I was kind of echoing what, what you guys were saying. I love this match as well, as well as much of it was uh, very di- diverse with his length. I think... Um, you know, outside of like David Finley, as we mentioned, I think every time someone entered this match, um, even if they were kind of on the lower end of kind of importance in terms of their stables, I think they felt like a threat coming in because <laughs> because some of them had like fucking you know either crazy weapons or they were just unhinged. You know, like like Hanare walking out there, he felt like a dangerous man <laughs> going into going into that cage. Um, the way Akira came into it as well, I think, um, and his story throughout the match and, and obviously the post match, I think was, was was told excellently. Um. Him coming in and kind of um, shooting up the cage and then diving, you know, in, in the speed that he like sometimes those those things can look a little bit silly and kind of a, uh, you know, a little bit too almost everyone kind of getting together waiting for a waiting for a dive. I think I think the the, the way they pulled it off made it a little bit more believable. But um, yeah, as, as much as it was obviously you know it definitely could have been cut down a little bit. Well, a, a fair bit. But I found myself engaged with it throughout. Um, you know, they kept taking it to the next level, and I, I don't think I had as much of an issue with the length as uh, as others did. But yeah, I thought it was a a very fun way to send off Will Osprey. Obviously, the result wasn't exactly um, what we'd have expected, but a very crazy match, a match that we don't really ever see <laughs> in a New Japan ring. Um, so you know, I think it kind of uh, served its purpose there. But yeah, one one I think is going to th- th- there'll be a lot of discourse on that one for a long, long time. I think. On the length, 
it was less so like there are some matches that where people are like oh this is just too long right for me mm-hmm. it was like it was like anytime there was downtime i was like okay i want to get to the next thing like i want i wanted to see and there was just so much like i feel like selling for selling's sake as opposed to just getting to the next thing because when you have 10 people in a match like ostensibly somebody is healthy and ready and able to be in some sequence at some point so um yeah but anyway i thought the match was stellar it was a great send-off super violent super enjoyable i I felt like from start to finish so it was great we have uh i'll I'll do a just a quick little preview of the fantastic mania stuff we have going on the big matches are uh, the first of all, there's like a challenge match between Titan and your guy Briante Jr. Uh, on Sunday at Corican. Then the double main is Soberano versus Templario, which they've had classics against each other. And speaking of classics against each other, Volador versus Rocky Romero is the main event on Sunday. Um, and then on Monday, matches are first of all, there's Atlantis Jr. versus Echicero which is a big-time heavyweight match. And then Mystico versus Ultimo Guerrero. They've wrestled a million times. And the main event of the whole tour is Mascara Dorada versus Stuka Jr. So obviously putting a lot of stock into Dorada as usual. Um, yeah, uh, not a whole ton to say there. We're getting a little low on time. Um, so let's move on to a little bit of stardom. All right, yes. let's talk uh, Let's talk stardom. So a week ago, we gave our full reaction on... Rossi Ogawa leaving, being from from World Wondering Stardom. A um, few more things have come out. Most notably, his intent to start a new promotion, and more. And we're getting like specifics around it, including talent that we think might be following him versus staying with Bushiroad. So, Jamie, what's the what's the report on uh, on Rossi and Stardom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so you know, as you said, Ogawa told Tokyo Sports that he is um, definitely planning to start his, his new promotion. We don't really have an exact time frame on it, and um, we know talents are, are going to be free from starting by the end of March. Um, so I, I guess we could kind of estimate on on when when that could be. Um, the biggest kind of talent, um, you know, the, the, the speculation around talent at the moment is Mayu Watani. Um, obviously, you know. Stardom original been there since the promotions formation thirteen years ago. Um, she had a bit of a, a you know, um, a, a, you know, a, a lot of tweets over the last couple of days, um, kind of worrying at some stages. Uh, seemingly, obviously, very um, distressed about the about the situation. Um, she then did an interview with Tokyo Sports a couple of days ago, um, kind of clarified what what was going on there, and she revealed that she is. Um, undecided about her future, but very loyal to Rossi Ogawa, which I think says. Um, I, I think it's kind of. I think it gives us the answer without her being able to give us the answer. I think she's almost certainly um, going to follow Rossi. She seems. Um, we've had kind of varying reports from the Observer as well relating to her to her contract and how she feels um, about that from a few different sources. But um, so I think Mayu Watani is, is the big the big one to watch. But obviously, it depends on um, when that contract comes up. Tam Nakano. Um, we, we talked about this one last week. She's kind of definitively stated that she will be staying in stardom, which is a big one. As I said, we talk, talked about it last week, her being um, voted the most popular wrestler um, in Japan by Shupro ahead of the likes of Tetsu Unito. So in terms of, um, from a business standpoint, just for for, for you know, potentially Rossi or it seems Bushiro with stardom, um, that was a big one. So Tam staying is, is, a, is a very, very good um very good thing for stardom. Um, and I, I guess looking at it in terms of um, the talent in stardom seem very close with their specific units. And I, I feel like the units are kind of, um, you know, you, you always see them all together and stuff like that. I feel like looking at where one talent might go in relation to their, their kind of um, their stablemates, I would hazard, I guess, the, the Cosmic Angels kind of group. And then, of course, um, I guess EXV as well, in terms of Mike could probably stay and Mina Shirkawa being very bushy road. Um, kind of, you know, some Bushy Road likes a lot in there. I would have to guess that those kind of wrestlers are probably sticking around. I would be looking at Stars. Um, a lot of the people in Stars, again, very close with Mayu. A lot of them Stardom originals. Um, you know, come, come through through the dojo there as people who are going to be loyal to Rossi. Um, and then I guess people like kind of Azumi, who've been there again a long time, Saki Kashima. Um, so it, it's a lot of it is still very much speculation, but we've had um, a bit more of an indication from a couple of talents. Um, Micah seems um, 
well, she she kind of hasn't really again. Micah and Suri haven't given a definitive um, answer. Um, Suri's seemed more vague in the sense that I feel like, feel like she may be someone who could um, look to leave Stardom, whereas Micah, I think, I, I would hazard a guess that obviously Bruce Road are very much behind her, so I think she'll stay. Um, and then of course, the last thing will be, will be Julia. We obviously expect Julia to, to head with Rossi at least temporarily before WWE. So that's kind of the situation as it stands. Um, but oh, oh, sorry, the last thing that, that I'll add to the Rossi thing is from the uh, the Supreme Fight Pay Per View, and they had the the the, the 13th anniversary 4v4 tag. And in the Observer, I'm trying to remember the specifics of it, but they said I think two ahead and with I believe it was two ahead and with with Rossi, two a contraction you're kind of legally um prevented from leaving one is expected to um freelance a little bit and may appear with rossi and then one is kind of undecided or i may have mixed the numbers up a little bit there well off mm-hmm. the top of my head that was mayu utami azumi nai takahashi julia suzu mirai and suri so mm-hmm. i guess kind of speculating there on who may fit the bill there obviously mayu seems like one who's legally kind of prevented from leaving at this stage um guessing who the other one would be is tough i guess you can look at maybe what contract lengths could be i guess suzu's a recent signing so maybe she's not freed up in march like some of the others um julie you would say is going i think nanai is probably the the one who will go freelance and may appear with rossi um but from there i think it's it's kind of open in terms of who um fits what bill and falls into what category but i'm interested to see um what you guys think there and who you think um, we'll be heading with Rossi and he'll be staying. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the, the the safest bets are stars leaving and anyone Cosmic Angels affiliated. Um, and, and I would say Micah's stable as well um, staying. That all seems pretty safe. Um, I'm really interested in a lot of the people. It feels like a lot of Queen's Quest would probably leave towards, leave, towards leaving. Um Really, for whatever reason, I'm just so intrigued on where Shuri goes. Yeah. Um, because I can see strong arguments either way, right? Shuri is actual like mainstream like knowledge about a UFC fighter. Um, and maybe she would prefer stability of a company like uh that's backed by somebody like Stardom or by, by Bushy Road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe maybe Rob why she was even signed and pushed so um that's an interesting one for me i think some of those people like like the tjpw signings a lot i feel like them like mina or shirakawa feel like bushy road types right but someone like mirai you know it's it's more 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 unclear so um yeah i'm just i'm just interested i mean i'm kind of sad that i'd like stardom we were so excited you know they had this incredible five-star gp last summer right and we were just excited for next year. You know, maybe they had fewer injuries in 2024 and the tournament gets even better. And now it's it's mm-hmm. not going to happen like that. There will be, uh, it. there is a decent, do not see a tournament, uh, a women's tournament as good as that one, like decades. This whole ordeal reminds me, this is a very weird comparison. But in the 1990s, uh, American auto wheel, uh, open wheel auto racing split in the two companies and, uh, you know, it was very, very based on a monetary dispute, and uh, it was actually about where the ovals would be. But um, this actually reminds me of that because you're going to have great talent on both sides, and uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see which one is better and which one isn't. And it's going to be pretty cool uh, as a, an unbiased fan like me. But if you're a big Stardom fan, I understand it would suck. But uh, that's <laughs> that's how, what what I was able to compare it to. But uh, no, uh, we'll go to those super chats next. Yeah, we got a couple super chats here. Ten dollars from Will Chisholm. With Okada, Will, and Jay White leaving New Japan, where do, does this stand? Is it as bad as Kenny and the Bucks and Cody leaving? Like Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and the Good Brothers leaving? I mean, it's probably bigger than all those. It's worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, with all of this, they always had Okada and Tanahashi to lean on, right? Um, they don't have Okada anymore. Tanahashi is going to be taking a step back. Has already taken a step back. Um, there are other guys like Naito, like Naito's probably going to be taking a step back after this rain. Um, you know, they don't have the guys like Suzuki involved like they did before. Uh, Ibushi's not around anymore, right? This is big. This is big. This feels like the biggest change, uh, at least since I've been a fan in, in New Japan. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it, it's kind of the last couple of pieces of that um, main event scene that's been so kind of dominant in New Japan for a long time. Obviously, as I said, Naito um, and Tanahashi are kind of winding down mm-hmm. at this stage in the game. You, you'd assume this is Naito's last big run. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's the biggest move in probably in Japanese wrestling history. I don't think there's ever been a time where the guy has left um, Japan for America. Aside so. from like the the, the Noah exodus. I'd yeah, say of course. It's it, that, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 pretty, it's huge. Huge. pretty huge. Yeah. We also have another one. Will Chisholm just just throwing it at us. Twenty dollars. The way Uncle Dave talks is that Julia is going to Rossi's company to get it started, then go to WWE. By dark timelines, seems like WWE will try to make Julia bridge. So WWE with him. Yeah, I don't know about that. Like, I just feel like I feel like a lot of the conversation, and this isn't targeted at you, Will. Uh, this is more like the general conversation, but like so many of the conversations around like Rossi, WWE, and Julia completely take away any agency of Julia to like make her own adult decisions as like a wrestler, mm-hmm. right? Like if she's like, she doesn't want to be like used probably as like a bridge to support, you know, like she wants to make money and like wrestle right mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe i have a wrong read on who she is but i don't know like i'm pretty sure the the rossi wwe stuff like obviously wwe just happened when they were in nxt to target stardom they were some of the best women's wrestlers in the world right like that's how mm-hmm. it goes but it also wasn't exclusive like they signed oscar right and they signed sari right um so it wasn't like it was stardom exclusive or anything like that um anyway i don't think I think that's probably overlooking it at this point, considering we don't even know what Rossi's roster is going to be or what his shows yeah. are going to be looked like or what the company, right? Um, mm-hmm. They don't have a dojo. They don't have a training system, anything like that. Um, WWE, again, I just have to be clear about this, has has made no public, like, confirmed partnerships with any Japanese companies, okay? They sent Charlie Dempsey to All Japan because he's Regal's kid thought it would be cool right like mm-hmm. that's that's literally it okay i think people are really paranoid about it and for good reasons because wwe sucks or whatever but until i see it happen i'm, I'm gonna err on the side of skepticism mm-hmm. yeah i i think there's you know like you said that there's potential maybe down the line that, that they may do a similar deal to a dempsey but uh, like i said we, we don't we don't have a name for the promotion we don't have a start date we don't have a roster so i think speculation on partnerships with a you know major american companies is, is getting a little little bit ahead of ourselves at this stage but i i, I see where the speculation is coming from with with some of the headlines mm-hmm. but I, I think it's a little overblown okay friends it is that time yeah we're only going an hour today we're going to let people go watch uh the dumb company but uh, not dumb <laughs> positive the dumb bat yeah. uh, the best company it's time for the beast of the week oh, uh, i'm strong um okay everybody uh there's so many good shows i think collectively we should say henare is that fine with you guys yeah we're yeah, okay. that, yeah 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 well, okay I'm not going to over... I'm Well, Jamie usually go first, but I'm just going to get started. I'm not going to overthink it. My beast of the week is Zack Sabre Jr. Um, he was incredible this weekend in his match. He had put on one of the best performances of the year, and it showed as a wrestler while also keeping his own completely unique style. Not much more I can say about Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. My beast of the week is uh, Francesco Acura, <laughs> who I think was my favorite guy in the uh, in the War Games match. I think he came in with an interesting story of being being a little hesitant, and maybe he was clearly afraid of um, the War Games match coming in. Um, and I think that obviously that that, that played throughout the match. And then um, you know he had, he had a stellar performance, and um, a lot of big spots in there. Obviously played a big part in, in towards you know the climax of the match um, in terms of Osprey coming in for the save, and then kind of kind of costing Osprey at the end. But um, uh, that mainly his backstage promo kind of you know capped it all off in terms of he, he acknowledged those fears coming into that match and kind of um, facing up to them and kind of doing as much as he can. And I think Francesco Acquera, we talk about the future of, of New Japan as someone. I'm very hopeful that they're going to uh, pull the trigger on this. Yeah, I think he should be the one to beat Desperado and run back that best of the Super Juniors match and, and give him the title. But yeah, Francesco Acquera, my beast of the week. My beast of the week is a... Uh... A man who kind of made let the world on fire this week. Uh, this man is pretty unbelievable. 
and this man is uh, Patrick fucking Mahomes. I mean, Jesus, like, who else can I give it to, honestly? I mean, the way he let us come back on Sunday. Pretty fucking unbelievable. So, Patrick Mahomes is my beast of the week. And that's a strong choice. I think he deserves Beast of the Week this week. Okay, only an hour this week, everybody. We really appreciate you turning in. Our viewers, even though it was a different day, our viewership stayed fantastic. We have been, like, a little peek behind the curtain. Like, our viewership has been really consistently great for the last, like, couple months, and it just keeps going up. So we really appreciate the growth, people who tune in. Uh, and uh, shout out to fucking... Actually, you know what? Let's... let's uh, I'm going to just... I think our collective beast of the week should be Twitter user Chick Fritz for putting together <laughs> that edit of all of us. I think oh, I yeah. think you all would agree with that. Is that fine, Jamie? I'll let you sort out what to do with Hanare and all that. And real quick, but, real quick, yeah, we'll, yeah. Please yeah. stop sending Russell Pierce members pictures of garlic parmesan wings. I cannot take it anymore. It yeah, was it so was gross. funny like the first time, please not stop. the eighty-seventh time. So please I'm good stop. On that. I'm but, no uh, more garlic parm wings. Okay, all right, everybody. We will Calm talk. Wings. Yeah, okay. We will talk to you all later. We love you. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.